0: This is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. All right. So, Bragging Rights is the current sermon series that we're in. This is number two. And I just got to say, this is an extremely unique series, even for my series. I feel like most of my series are extremely unique, but this is a unique one. I continue to be amazed at how God just brings it all together. It feels like every week after Sunday, I I sit down, I'm okay, unburdened, you know, with the word that God has placed on my heart. And yet, he continues to bring a new word and they all just fit together so perfectly there what we need to hear right now god is always doing a new thing and giving us a new word so i'm excited to share this one with you last week of course we talked about how paul uh, he didn't brag about his accomplishments and how many people he had got saved and the numbers in the seats in his churches he bragged about his persecutions he bragged about his sufferings his sacrifices in the name of Jesus, and how how God worked through his weaknesses. You know, the early disciples and apostles didn't let a lot of persecution stop them, didn't let it stop them from spreading the gospel message, and they were happy to lay down their lives. As, As we saw in the Bible trivia earlier, Peter didn't even feel worthy of being crucified in the same way as Jesus' tradition holds. Is happy to lay down his life. And I hope that God is now preparing us for when the time comes and persecution begins to come towards the church that we will be happy too, that we'll be joyful in all circumstances, that we'll be ready to lay down our lives. But today, we're going to look at another braggart in the Bible. Paul bragged about his sufferings. Peter, however, bragged about other things. In fact, it was pretty common practice among the disciples to argue about who was greatest. (laughs) Who was the greatest? (laughs) A few months ago, we we had a sermon series where I went over all of the amazing things that Jesus followers, believers have done throughout the world, that Jesus literally changed every culture around the world for the better. And one of those was humility, this culture of humility, where now we feel, even non-believers feel like it's kind of Uncouth to brag about yourself or to argue about who is the greatest among you, right? We play down our our strengths sometimes in groups and we elevate others, and and all of that is Jesus. Before that, culture was not that way. Ancient cultures uh, felt like bragging was the way to go. And so, this is certainly what the disciples did. Peter. And the rest of the disciples bragged about who was the best. They argued about who was the best. So jump back in time from from Paul and the early church as we went over last week to the very end of Jesus' ministry on earth before his crucifixion and persecution. Jump back with me because this is is the kind of discussion that Peter was known for then. And we're going to read just a little bit of context before we get into the text today. So Luke 22, uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says, Simon, Simon. Now, this was Peter's old name. Jesus had already renamed Peter to Peter, the rock upon which he would build his church. Simon actually meant listening or to hear And I think because God is a God of intentionality, right? Because he does not do something for no reason. He always, when he does something, he's doing something, right? When he does nothing, he's still doing something. If you were here in the room today, I would hope you could complete those sentences for how many times I've said them. So when Jesus is saying something here, he's saying something. And he says, Simon, Simon, not Simon Peter, not Peter, to which he's already named him. He says, Simon Simon, and he says it twice, Simon, Simon, remember who you used to be, right? Simon, Simon, remember who you are. Now he's calling attention to his very character, the person that he used to be and the person that Jesus has called him to be. Simon, Simon, they're in the middle of this argument. Who is the greatest disciple? Who's going to sit at the right hand of Jesus, All right, something they also argued about occasionally. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. The first time I read through this text, I sort of skipped over that verse for some reason, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. You remember the story of Job? How has Satan waited in line. He was so important he had to wait in line at the throne room of God to ask if he could possibly take things from Job. If he could possibly help God prove Job's worthiness. Satan, so important he has to wait in line. So important he has to ask God's permission. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith... Should not fail. Listen to this. I've pleaded for you in prayer. So when you have repented and turned to me again, anybody else feel like maybe we missed a piece of this? Right? I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not fail. But Jesus seems to know something that Peter doesn't. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I love that Jesus, over and over and over throughout the Gospels, we see him pair the the supernatural and and the seeking God's face and and the talking about how big and glorious and amazing he is with the very down-to-earth and the practical. Jesus says, I'm praying for you, that that your faith would be strong enough, that that your faith should not fail, but when it does... (laughs) Right, so when you have repented and turned to me again, Jesus seems to pray for the best and prepare for the worst. We see this. This is is the pattern of the gospel, really. It's a pattern of who God is, the very character of God. He wants the best for us. He hopes for the best for us, but he also gave us free will. And he has a plan for when we mess up. Not if we mess up, but when we mess up. He sent Jesus before you committed your first sin. Jesus already died for you, right? He sent Jesus before he knew all the the selfish ways that you were going to betray him. Jesus already died for you. There was already a plan in place to win you back. And as we talked about in the past couple weeks, there's a burning bush somewhere in your life calling you back. Because God has a plan. He is a planning God. He hopes for the best for us. He wants the best for us, but he prepares for the worst. And so Jesus says, I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented, and turn to me again. Strengthen your brothers. Peter says, Lord, I, I, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus, right? Like, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it right now. I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, Peter, (laughs) let's see him calling him Peter now, right? The language that Jesus uses is important. Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Jesus knows something Peter doesn't hear. And then Jesus asked them, When I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag, or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, they replied. But now he said, take your money and a traveler's bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. That's enough, he said. So this isn't actually our text today. I just want to give you some context. And there's a couple of things to notice here before we actually get into what we're studying today. Number one, Jesus knows what Satan asks for. And he's already preparing for it. He's already provided you a way out. There is no temptation that will come across your desk, that will come into your life, that you cannot withstand. He's already given you all the tools, but he also understands that you're human and you will probably, maybe, definitely fail, right? And he has a plan for that, too. Jesus knows what Satan asked for, and he prays for us. But notice Jesus' prayer. He didn't pray for protection for Peter. (laughs) He didn't pray for protection, but for his faith not to fail. He didn't pray that he would avoid the sufferings and trials and temptations, but that he wouldn't fail through them. I prayed for him not to fail. Jesus' prayer for us isn't to just be comfortable. It's that we would endure the discomfort. Right? And number two, when he says, (coughs) Jesus says, when you have repented, he already knows that Peter will fail. And we'll also turn back to him. And he's calling him into ministry, knowing this. Even before he's failed in the most epic way. Like, just as epic as Judas, pretty much. That's how Peter fails. And yet, Jesus has already called him. I don't know about you, but that's super comforting to me. (laughs) No matter my failures in my past or future, the calling on my life stands. Jesus has called each and every one of us to something within his kingdom. He's gifted you with talents and abilities unique to you to reach your world and the people in it. And he already knows you You have made mistakes and you're going to make mistakes. He's called you. Anyway, number three, I want you to notice before we move on. We see here that Jesus isn't a 100% pacifist. This is a little bit of theology today, but I'm going to break it down, right? We see that he asked them to pick up the sword and you can, Peter sort of gets a bad rap in this context we're going into, but you can sort of see where the misunderstanding came from. Jesus did say to go get swords if you don't have them. He said, pick up a sword, that the time is coming for that. Peter just misunderstood when that timing was. And so number four, We also see that Peter is sort of prepped for what comes next. So I want you to understand all of that as we go into this next. It's the same chapter in Luke 22, just a little bit further down now. Since this talk at the Last Supper, Jesus has spent all night up in the garden. Right, This is where he's sweating blood. He's praying all night. He tries to wake up the disciples a few times like, come on, pray with me that your faith would would sustain you through what is coming. And they fall asleep every time. Until finally, Luke twenty-two verse forty-seven. But he's, even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the twelve disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, "Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss?" When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, "Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords." And one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. We know from other gospels that that one of them was peter but jesus said no more of this and he touched the man's ear and healed him notice a few things about this interaction Uh, this passage jumped out at me this week actually my husband mentioned it just as we were talking and i said oh that's what god has for us this week and number two of bragging rights because peter asked for jesus's input he did right what should we go back? Verse 49. Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. But he didn't wait to hear the answer. Immediately. And one of them struck at the high priest slave slashing off his right ear. He he let panic win. He didn't slow down and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Sure, he asked for Jesus' input. And maybe maybe he gets a couple of points for that. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure if that counts for much if you don't wait to hear the answer, right? But it's, it's like getting up in the morning and saying, Jesus, I'm doing this, this, and this today. Could you bless me, please? Instead of waking up in the morning and saying, God, what do you have for me today? What can I do for you today? How can I serve you today? It's assuming you know what Jesus would say, and it's not the same thing as as hearing what he is saying. This is why it's important to know the word. But knowing the word isn't always enough. Satan knows the word too. Right? And quotes it. He Quoted it against Jesus and his temptation. He knows the word. We have to know how to apply the word. We need a good balance of faith and wisdom. To not only know God's word, but also when to apply it. For example, 1 Peter 2.16 says, For you are free... Yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Right? Almost in every context, and there's a few more of these verses, they're talking to Jews who have turned to Christians, right? who have converted to Christianity. And so now they're free. They get to live outside of the law. They, Jesus has fulfilled the law. And so they're free. right? But they use their freedom to sin. That's not what Jesus intended, right? Sure, you can, actually. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Right? You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Galatians five thirteen says, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love just because we have rights as Americans doesn't mean it's always smart to use them. Just because we have freedoms in Jesus doesn't mean it's it's beneficial to use all of it all the time. We have to balance faith and wisdom. That's why sometimes Jesus, he seems to walk straight into a a difficult, life-threatening situation. And sometimes he avoids it. Sometimes, uh, Lazarus, for example, all his disciples are warning him, don't go back there. You can't go back there. They want to kill you there. You remember that, right? We just left, and Jesus says, we're going back. So they go back. But sometimes Jesus slips away from the crowd. Sometimes he avoids that city altogether. He balances faith and wisdom, And, and most importantly, he's listening to the Holy Spirit. Listening always to the Holy Spirit's instruction. We see Paul do this throughout his ministry too, as we talked about last week. Sometimes he goes straight into a place that has been prophesied, like he knows that he knows that he's going to jail in that place, and yet he still goes there. We read the list of all the sufferings of Paul last week. He was shipwrecked three times and beaten and put in prison more times than he can count. He spent a day at sea. He listed all of these things that he's done in the name of Jesus, happily, gladly, Singing in dungeons, right? That's who Paul was. He was, he was happy to run in, but, and yet sometimes he's lowered out of the city in a basket. He avoids it. What's the difference? The difference is he, he goes where the Holy Spirit tells him to go, despite the consequences. And the highest goal is to spread the gospel, not avoid discomfort. Spreading the gospel is our goal in this season as well. And sometimes we need discipline and structure to get through that. So it's so important to wait for an answer, to pray and say, God, what should I do here? This is my gut feeling, but you correct me if I'm wrong. And then you listen. You listen, which brings me to the second thing I want to pull out of this. I don't think... Peter was fully listening to Jesus in the good times. That's why in this moment, he puts his faith in a sword and lashing out instead of in Jesus' words. So don't get me wrong, I think Peter was fully thinking that he was being faithful. He thought he was being so faithful. He was being bold and brave in the name of the Lord and he was slashing that sword. I think there's a lot of Christians in this place right now slashing a sword on social media instead of bringing a spirit of peace and love, right? I, I think there are many people right now, Christians, who want to speak for God. I don't know how many are willing to listen. We, we think we know what Jesus would say. We think we know what God would say, in this situation, and I can't tell you how many times I think I know what God would do, and yet in prayer, God completely corrects me, turns me around, sends me in the opposite direction, <laughs> right? We have to listen to the Holy Spirit to truly say, God, take all of my beliefs, all of my thought patterns, all of my mindsets, all of my political leanings, all of my behaviors and habits, and change them if you need to. Reinforce the ones that that should stay, but also transform me from the inside out. I'm willing to give up everything but Jesus. Take the world, but give me Jesus. I say this all the time, but I think Peter was relying on that sword. That was his, his uh, comfort, his security blanket in that moment. That that was his source of faith. But you can't just, Choose to have more faith, right? This is what I say all the time. You can't just walk out the doors of this church and say, I'm going to have more faith today. It doesn't exactly work like that. And we fail every time. And then we think, Oh, I'm just, I'm not suited for this. I just, I can't do it. Faith is built brick by brick. You can't just pretend to have more of it and have more of it. The good news is you don't have to wait for a storm to come or bad things to come for God to prove himself to you and build faith that way. That's why he gave us the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines, reading your Bible, fasting, praying. These are the ways we build our faith. We train in Christianity. Just like you would go to the gym every day. Having a membership at the gym doesn't necessarily make you strong, right? (laughs) And fit and healthy. Going to the gym, using it, spending the time and energy training in it is how you build your body, your muscles. It's also how you build your spiritual muscles. You train, worship, you pray, you spend time in the word, you fast. I think Peter is compensating here for his... Lack of faith with a big show. I think he's trying too hard. I think he's assuming what Jesus would say instead of listening. Instead of just letting Jesus change him from the inside out. He's trying to lead Jesus instead of being led by him. You see this in other areas of Peter's life too. Right before the triumphal entry, the, the Palm Sunday story where Jesus comes in on a donkey. We see Peter say, but Lord, that would never happen to you. They're not going to persecute you and come down on you. That, that, will, that will never happen to you. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Let me lead you. Right? You have no idea where we're going with this. When Peter was thinking about the here and now, that Jesus would be king here and now, that he would fix all his problems and, and that he would be at his right side. He would be the, the on the right side of history. He had no idea that Jesus wasn't just looking at that culture and time and place, that he was looking at all of us, this culture and time and place too. Couldn't see it. He hadn't been listening in the good times. To Jesus' many predictions and prophecies about what needed to happen. He wasn't listening. His view was too short. He, he didn't have his sight set on eternity, and eternity is really long term. He wasn't thinking about the greater good for all of us for eternity. He just was thinking about that moment. Jesus had his eyes set on so much more. Peter was only thinking of himself. Jesus was trying to tell him to look at all of us. and Listen, you can know all of the predictions and prophecies about the future and still be dead wrong. I actually believe most Christians, maybe not most, a lot of us are like this right now. We think we know revelation inside and out. We think we know what's coming. But we can know all of the things that it says and still be dead wrong. Remember the Pharisees. In Jesus' time, they knew every word of the Old Testament. Literally. They knew all of it. Every prophecy, everything. And still, when the Messiah showed up on their doorstep, they missed him. They totally missed him. I, I don't, I just don't want to fall into the trap of being so convinced that I'm right, that I missed Jesus right in front of me. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now we see things imperfectly, as in a poor mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me now. I have to somehow get comfortable with not knowing everything. It's a fancy church word we like to call surrender. Surrendering to God and his control, right? I heard last night, we have responsibility in this world, but we don't have control. God is in control. We have influence and we're meant to do something with that, but God is in control. If Peter had just been listening, if he had been surrendered to Jesus fully and completely, as his later in the good times, he would have been ready for this bad time, if he had been listening, he had been listening on on the way to Jerusalem when they were all palm leaves and hallelujahs and and hosannas, right? When, When the crowds and the people were worshiping Jesus, super pumped that he was coming into the city. If he had been listening on the way into that, get behind me, Satan. He had been honestly willing to take that rebuke fully understand what it meant. Maybe he would have made it through this. If he wasn't trying to lead Jesus, if he was really honestly surrendered and allowing himself to be led by Jesus. Some of us, we haven't been listening in the good times. And so now here we are, online church again. We've canceled church again and we have nowhere to go on a Sunday morning. We're letting panic take over because... <gasps> How do, I, how do I stay on the right path without that, right? Uh, how, how do I do this? We haven't been listening in the good times. When I have said over and over and over for the past three years to get involved in a home group, it wasn't for my sake. <laughs> right? It wasn't just so I could pump up the numbers and, and see home groups thriving. It's so that when the bad times come, and they always come, you'll be ready because you already have built deep soul friendships that will help you get through it. when I have said for the past three years, over and over and over, come to a home, uh, sorry, growth group, it wasn't for my sake, right? It's so that when the bad times come and they always come, you'll have the biblical knowledge to get through the fiery trials and temptations that will come your way. When I have said over and over and over for the past three months to join us in a Bible plan, there's a new one starting today, by the way. <laughs> when I've said over and over and over to join us in a Bible plan, it wasn't for my sake. So that when the bad times come, and they always come, you'll have built into your life a habit of, of getting alone with Jesus each and every day. You'll have that built-in time already to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. It is always whispered to you through his written word. I've wanted the best for you. We've been trying to get you to listen in the good times so that you can withstand not having gathered in person, crowded church, right? Listen in the good times and you'll be ready properly when the bad times come. You won't have to pretend you understand what is happening and go lobbing off ears, hurting someone in the process. You'll be able to listen to the voice of Jesus because you will have trained yourself to do so. Christianity is is way more of a spiritual training program than it is a a religion, a set of rules. We're training ourselves to be more like Jesus, knowing that we're not always going to miss the mark, knowing that God's grace is sufficient for today. But we try anyway. We train anyway. Peter was still not listening, even that day, because he was still in an us versus them mentality. He still couldn't see the bigger picture. He was still on the defensive. We think we, you know, we are meant to be in the world, not just of it. That that is what, but and yet we we think that if we just step outside of the world, we we can sequester ourselves from it. We can build up these Christian walls of Christian music and Christian school and Christian everything, and just surround ourselves with Christianity, then maybe we'll be safe. I think it would just be easier to withdraw from the evil. Problem is, the evil isn't out there somewhere, and all these other people. The evil isn't here. In us, we are them. We are the world. We're meant to be in it with them, just not of it, of different stuff. We're meant to be Jesus to them, with them. Jesus didn't sequester himself. Sure, he spent a lot of time teaching in the temple, but that's not the only place he stayed. He went out to the parties, to the weddings, to the streets, to the hillsides. He preached to them, he enjoyed their company. He loved them genuinely. He wasn't in this us versus them mentality Peter was still stuck in. If we only hear voices that agree with us, surround ourselves with just Christian everything, thinking that will keep us and our children safe, we put our faith in the wrong things. It's not the Jesus of the Gospels that I see. His faith was strong, and he did withdraw occasionally for short periods of time to speak with his father. Then he went back down, and he spent time with the people. It's not us versus them. We are them. We're meant to be with them, but different from them. It's why we've always called ourselves a church for those not yet here, right? Hope for people who've given up on church. That's always been our motto. Because we are outward focused. It's not about us versus them. We're meant to go out and be with them. Sure, standing out, being different, but also personable enough that they want what we have. We're meant to love them enough that they can stand us long enough to hear about Jesus. How are we going to do that if we keep lobbing off ears? How are we going to do that if we keep lobbing personal attacks at others? Uh, People that don't agree. How are we going to do that if we keep taking shots? Furthermore, Jesus is fully capable of fighting for himself. Do we think we serve such a weak God that he can be threatened? He cannot be threatened. God is eternal forever. Right? All powerful, all knowing, everlasting. He cannot be threatened. Why do we think we have to fight for him? Jesus didn't ask Peter to fight for him. He asked them to die with him, to lay down his life. And we see this in the same story, but a different gospel. Matthew 26, Jesus says, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. The others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest slave, slashing off his ear. We heard this part already. Verse 52, though, says, put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Jesus didn't ask Peter to stand and fight. He asked him to lay down and die. He asked them to give his life as a ransom for many with him. He asked him to stay up all night and pray with him that his faith would sustain him through what was to come. I know plenty of Christians who are willing to lob off some ears who are willing to stand and fight but not out of a love for people, out of, out of a, a misguided stubbornness out of some anger and pride perhaps They sound just like the Pharisees who missed what God was doing because they thought they knew so much. But I think in many ways right now, Jesus isn't asking us to stand and fight. He's asking us to lay down on a cross with him. Die to ourselves, our flesh, our our selfishness, our comforts, our preferences, out of a love for others. I think maybe a lot of American Christians right now are too worried about their rights and not nearly worried enough about their burden as believers about the sacrifices that were called to make about the persecution that plagued the early church and is meant to plague the end times church as well Paul laid down his rights as a Jew to reach the Gentiles he also laid down his rights as a believer to reach the Jews. Sometimes he even laid down his rights as a Roman citizen to reach non-Romans. We should be happy to lay down our lives, our rights, our freedoms to reach just one more. Don't get me wrong. I have been very worried throughout this series that I would somehow go too far in either direction. The best theology is found somewhere in the middle that Jesus, his kingdom isn't this or that. It's usually this and that. Jesus also said to pick up a sword. We read that, right? That there does come a time when you need to sell your cloak and go buy a sword. There will be a time when we have to defend ourselves but we can't brag in our own ability to get this right all the time to know when that time is going to be because we're going to get it wrong we have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit like never before we have to dig into the spiritual disciplines like never before we have to follow his voice listen when he speaks even when it's not comfortable or pain free as I considered what my main message was today, what, what what do I want people to take away from this? The one big takeaway. Because this whole series, I have a feeling I'm going to be walking that very thin line, not going too far in one direction or another. It, it, this whole thing, it, it's not about always pulling out the sword, and it's not about not... <laughs> It's not always going to be one way or the other. This isn't a stick it to the man series or the opposite. It is a listen to the Holy Spirit series. Like never before. And we need to listen to his voice. And when I say we, I don't mean just me. I don't mean just Jason. I don't mean just Aaron, your pastors here at the church. We need to listen and tell you all what it means. I mean, we, all of us, you need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and I, I heard this so clearly during worship earlier. <sighs> my job as a pastor isn't to strengthen you. believe it or not. my job as a pastor is to equip you. Your job as believers is to strengthen each other. Your job as the church is is to strengthen each other. The Bible isn't just talking to church leaders, pastors when he says strengthen each other, encourage each other. He's talking to the church. All of us. my job as the pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. It, it hit me lately. why Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one? Now I've always sort of questioned that. God, how could you? How could you leave all of those 99 exposed to just go after one? And I sort of blame the one sometimes, right? Like they were dumb enough to wander. (laughs) Why would you go after them? And You know, I've had to change my thinking in that and know that I am that one. Be grateful that Jesus comes after me. But it hit me lately that the 99 have each other. In that moment, it wasn't the shepherd's job to keep them safe. It was the shepherd's job to go after the one. The 99 protected each other. It was their group, their numbers that kept them safe. The one doesn't have that. The church isn't meant to be this blind group of followers that just hear what I have to say from the Holy Spirit. The church is meant to each and every single one of us hearing from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and we're hearing for ourselves. Encouraging each other. Strengthening each other. Laying down our lives for each other. This is why some churches have abandoned the term service for their weekly worship services because they wanted even their language to reflect the idea that it is not the pastor's job to serve you. It is each and every one of their jobs, the church's job to serve each other. The pastor is here to equip you. And so they call them gatherings or worship experiences. Right? That mission of serving each other, strengthening each other is what will unite us through this season. And we're not always gonna agree, Pastor Candace, about all the decisions, right? We're not always going to agree. It's not our opinions that will unite us. It's the way in which we strengthen each other, encourage each other, the way in which we keep going back to the mission, stripping off everything else but the gospel. The gospel message is that each of us lay down our lives like Jesus did for each other. We do that by listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. He wants to get us separated, apart from each other. And Satan probably thought he won with Peter. Peter. Peter was good and sifted. He denied Jesus three times that there's no coming back from that. He made the wrong move and he denied Jesus when it mattered most. And now he has to run and hide in shame. The good news, the gospel message is actually that Jesus already had a plan for Peter and for you. He already called Peter to be the rock upon which he would build his church. And once Peter was baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he was a force. He began preaching in the same streets that he denied Jesus in just weeks ago. He preached powerfully and people listened. 3,000 people were added to the church's number that day because Peter the denier, the, the, the braggart, the one who jumped the gun, the one who wasn't listening, that same Peter was now empowered with the Holy Spirit to go into all the world and preach the good news. Listen, you may be at home today. You may not be here around the altars. I may not be able to do a big altar call where you all come forward and we pray powerfully that the Holy Spirit would fall. But the good news is that we don't need that. The Holy Spirit can meet with you right where you are, wherever you are. I've heard of people leaving our church services actually and getting baptized by the Holy Spirit in in their cars in the parking lot. I've heard of people getting baptized by the Holy Spirit in their closet at home, just reading the word and praying. Powerfully baptized, speaking in tongues, baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can have that today too. If that's something that you want, if God is tugging on your heart right now, get alone with him today. Right now after this service. Get alone. Open your Bible to the book of Acts. Begin to read and ask God. There is nothing scary about it. It is pure empowerment. It is wisdom and strength for you to do the job that God has called you to do. Some of you have felt a calling on your life for a long time wondered, how am I, how am I going to do this? God, how how am I going to accomplish what you've called me to? It feels so big. You were never meant to do it alone. Jesus never asked you to do it alone. He gave you a helper. He sent the Holy Spirit that is available to each and every believer, not just the leaders anymore, each and every one of you. As you walk into what God has for you, He wants to give you all of the gifts, all of the the boldness and wisdom that you need to get the job done right and well. Get alone with Him. All you need is a hunger for more. Thank God, I want more of you. I'm willing to lay everything else aside all of my beliefs, all of my mindsets, all of my habits, everything. Just give me more of you. I need you more. Than yesterday. I need you more, and He will come wash over you like pure love and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That is my prayer for each and every one of you today throughout the series that we would listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit better than before, that we would stop bragging about our rights and our freedoms and, and what we're owed, and we would start laying down our lives for the people around us, that we would listen to the voice of Jesus like never before. Father, we thank you. We praise you for what you're doing in our midst, for what you're going to do in our midst, that you are always doing a new thing. Father, I pray that you would get this church, Freedom Valley, the vibrant, passionate, selfless church you called us to be, that you would get us ready for what's to come, that right now we would be digging our roots down deep, deep and strong and that when the time comes you would raise us up that we would be able to be a light in this world, a beacon of hope to the people around us Father help us deliver clear gospel messages like never before, help us get rid of all the the religion, the, the extra the rules, the I don't know, opinions and mindsets about it and just come back to a pure, simple gospel message that you love us so much that God is real God is good and he loves us so much he sent his son thank you for giving us grace thank you for having a plan even long before we messed up having a plan to bring us home you're sitting at home today Saying, I've messed up. You don't know what I've done, Candace. You have no idea. I've been so selfish. I've messed up my life so completely. There's no way God could use me. I'm here to tell you today, I thought the same thing. I didn't think I was worthy or, or a good enough speaker or
1: good enough. I, I was so
0: scared. <laughs> I thought I had messed up too much that my failures defined me. God has a plan for me and he has a plan for you. Jesus came long before you messed up. He was thinking of you on that cross. He died for all of us, not just for that time and place. If he had wanted to save that time and place, he could have become king easily on Palm Sunday. He chose not to. He chose to walk to That cross, right? He had Peter there with the sword, ready to defend him, ready to ride off into the sunset away from the bad guys. He chose every single step over a three year period of ministry, was toward that cross. He laid down his life for you. He's calling us to do the same. It doesn't matter what you've done or what regrets griefs shame you're living with today Jesus died for you God is real he is good and he loves you so much he sent his son out of a perfect world of heaven into this very imperfect painful world to lay down his life for you and it's so easy to say yes to Jesus to have your slate wiped clean and to begin to live for him. He made it so easy. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you came and died for me. I accept that forgiveness, sacrifice in my life. And I'm choosing to live your way from today forward. I can feel the Holy Spirit all over this right now. For those of you watching, pray that prayer. Jesus, I believe in you believe you forgave my sins I'm choosing today to live for you from here on out and he does he forgives every time and he makes a way back to right relationship with your creator the father, heavenly father that knows you better than you know yourself loves you so much pray that prayer today if you did Go to fv.church slash I am in. You'll get a little Bible plan that will help you understand that decision that you just made and and find a way forward. You can also submit a, a request for me to reach out to you personally. I would love to talk to you about that decision, help you through it the best that I can. I'd love to know that you made that decision today. For those of you who have already made that decision, this is a call to pursue the Holy Spirit like never before. You got my email this week, you know that I'm heading into a season where I'm going to challenge you. It's my job to equip you. This series is challenging. I left you last week with a heavy word, but it's straight from the Holy Spirit. And please know that I have wrestled with it. So that I I struggled through every word. And Holy Spirit, is this really what you're saying? Sometimes I'm wrong, and I have to correct it with him. I delete whole paragraphs in my notes. The Holy Spirit is challenging us right now. We can be a church of house churches. No problem, right? We don't need this building. It's it's an amazing tool, and I'm very grateful for it. But we don't need it for the gospel message. We can be a church of house churches. I want to see you and, and... Pictures of you baptizing people in your bathtubs, right? Baptizing people in the Holy Spirit around your dining room tables. It's my job to equip you and teach you how to do that. And today I'm gonna to add a whole bunch of things to the sermon notes, so check back in a little while. You need to be equipped in this world. That is my job, but it is your job to strengthen each other and to spread the gospel message. We're gonna do that. Going forward, being the vibrant, passionate, selfless church we were called to be, but reaching this world with the message of the gospel like never before. Who's with me? Right? Join me in that mission. We can do this, even in a culture that is largely becoming uh, uncomfortable to be a Christian. Right, We don't need to stand up for our rights and push Bibles back into schools. It's no point if they're not going to read it anyway. Right, We don't need Christian culture to spread the gospel message. In fact, we were sharing Africa stories last night and it just hit me all over again how receptive people are in non-Christian cultures. We're so receptive to the gospel. I've been on probably a dozen missions trips throughout my life and it always hits me. In non-Christian cultures, the people are so hungry not that way in America. Christian culture isn't helping us. Like I said last week, a lack of persecution in American culture hasn't helped us all that much. Persecution is what spread the Christian church like wildfire throughout the Eastern world. That's why we have it here today. The early church was persecuted. We have nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear, not from government or culture or anyone. We're going to heaven, right? We know the end of the story. I've read the end of the book. Jesus comes back and he's going to fix it, but it is going to get worse before it gets better. We are headed toward persecution, whether in my lifetime or a next one. I'm just not afraid. Not afraid. Jesus has equipped me with the Holy Spirit, with all of the boldness and bravery that I need to spread this gospel message. And I'm going to keep preaching it, even if it lands me in prison. I'm going to keep preaching it, even if it lands me in beatings, even if it takes me to the cross. Jesus laid down his life. How do I think I'm worthy of something else? we can follow Peter's example not in the lobbing off of ears right? not in the standing up and fighting but in the laying down of our life Father I pray that you would help us do that Holy Spirit speak to individuals right now as they're sitting at home as they're listening to this message speak God fall on every single person hearing my voice fall Holy Spirit equip us empower us give us all the gifts and talents that we need to spread the gospel throughout the world be with us and help us to listen help us to soften our hearts toward one another jumping out of that us versus me us versus them mentality and just being the church wherever we go carrying you with us wherever we go being the salt and light that we are called to be We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church/inn, And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
1: No matter how you're receiving this message today, excited and eager and cheering along or carefully contemplating your past opinions, I want to encourage us all to take some time and process these words. It's very easy to point out and understand the, the things we miss out on when we're not in the same room, but I want to take a second and acknowledge the things that are going to be gained today by being in different places. Every person in every location that's watching online, you are able to respond to this message in an intimate and personal way that might have been inhibited here in this place. You can take some time to carefully consider what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. You don't have to rush to your car to beat the traffic. There is no lights that will be turned on in this space and people mingling you are in your own home or in your own location and following this moment don't waste a second but fall to your knees and find what the holy spirit is going to say to you so that you can apply this word exactly how he needs you to but no one should be quick to rush We should all be slow and careful and contemplative about what God is saying to us. I do want to remind you about Boxes of Hope, that opportunity to reach out to others. On Friday, we're gonna be gathering together for that drive-in movie. But right now, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you can take that next step and pursue Him in prayer. If you've had Him in your heart for a while, You can take a next step towards him. If you have some things to reconsider or contemplate or challenge yourself in, take that next step. We're going to keep this altar music going, and the room you're in is the very altar of heaven. Take a next step. When I'm done praying and I say amen, you continue in prayer in your private space where God is sitting with you. Heavenly Father, let us be like your disciples, willing to give up our own comforts, our own privileges, our own freedoms for the sake of the cross, that we would become a slave to this world so that we would become free in heaven. We would give up our own privileges so that we can gain the bragging rights of being known as a disciple of Jesus. As your disciples welcomed persecution and they celebrated in the blessing of it, that they became all the more bold in front of whatever was put in front of them, that we would be bold in only one thing, the declaration of the love of Christ that has freed us from our sins. God, would you equip us with the Holy Spirit, with wisdom and power and knowledge, God, that we would be gifted supernaturally that we would rely every day on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of God, speak to your people today. People of God, listen to the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.